grab your Bibles with me, and I want you to turn with me to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6, verse 4 is where we're going to start off today. We're also going to spend some time over in the book of 1 John. So if you've got an extra paper or a bookmark, you might want to stick it over in 1 John. We'll be getting there in just a little bit. Um, but I want to start in Romans 6, 4. And as I was preparing this, um, today not only are we starting a new series, we're also starting a whole new ministry year for our church. And as I was thinking ahead to what God would have us look at, what he would have us do over this next year in terms of ministry, um, several things came to mind. But he brought me back to this idea. And I want you to visualize for a second with me. Think about that, that really iconic moment in the life of, of children when they finally take their first steps. Remember that? All you parents, remember seeing your child take their first steps? For those of you who don't have children, do you remember all the annoying parents with all the videos on Facebook of their child's first steps? Um, like we've all seen that process, right? Like the kid crawls over to the couch and kind of pulls up and, and kind of lets go with one hand and then lets go with the other hand and kind of takes a step or two or more like just stumbles forward and falls to the ground. And in that moment, the parents start just going crazy, right? They're like, what are you doing? Are you an idiot? Only two steps? Seriously? That's all you've got? Is that what the parents say? No, they're excited. Right? They talk, start talking like really, oh, you did such a good job. Like, <laughs> over one or two steps. They're not upset that they're not fully walking yet. And that's the picture that God uses over and over again in the New Testament for the Christian life. Is walking. And I think he uses this analogy of walking because it's so simple and it's so accessible to all of us. Right? Like we all know about walking. We all know about taking, like we all know that process. And God, when he's taking you on your journey with him, when he's taking you on your faith journey, he's not expecting you to perfectly walk the first time you get up. Or the second time. Or the hundredth time. What God wants you to do is just take another step. That's all walking is, right? Walking is just take a step and take a step and take a step. And so what I want us to look at today and in this new sermon series called Take a Step, that's going to be our theme for this ministry year, is for you personally, we're all in a different place in our walk with the Lord, and that's okay. But what is it for you? What is that next step of faith that God wants you to take? What's the next step in your journey with him? And I hope that this series and this year is going to help you find that and take that so we can continue to walk with the Lord. But today we've got to start with the very first step that everyone has to take if we're going to follow God. And so the main idea of this is this this morning. To worship God, I must know and walk with him. To worship God, I must know and walk with him. And so the big question I want you to ponder today as we're going through this text is simply this, are you a worshiper? And that might seem like a really simple question, 
But God's word today is going to define for us what a worshiper is and is going to flesh that out more. And I want you to view it through that lens of what does God say a worshiper is. Not what do we think it is, not do what, we, what have we seen from other places or other people. What does God say a true worshiper looks like? And are we that? Okay? So, Romans chapter 6, look with me at verse 4. He says, We were buried therefore by him, with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. And that's the key phrase. We're going to be looking at all these different passages throughout the series of how we walk with God. Here he says that we're supposed to walk in newness of life. So point number one, worshipers walk in new life. If you're new to Harvest, you're going to find out real quick, we don't have anything real new and fancy around here. We just kind of take the scripture and say, hey, this is what it says. All right? So it says we're supposed to walk in new life. What does that mean? Well, I think if we think about it clearly, that's the goal for all of us this morning, right? That's, that's the goal for everyone in this room. That's why you come to church. That's why you listen to sermons and sing worship songs. That's why you pray. That's why you seek God. Because something deep down inside of you wants to experience new life with God. A life free of sin, a life free of the, the, the struggle of this world, the life that you were created to have. But it's only found in God. So how do we get this new life? If that's what we're supposed to do, walk in newness of life, how do we get that? What's that look like? Well, Paul actually explains that in the previous chapter. So we're going to turn back a page or just look on the other page. Look at chapter 5. At verse 18, and Paul's going to tell us how we get this new life with God. He says, Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. For as by one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, so by one man's obedience the many will be made righteous. Now the law came to increase the trespass, but the sin, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. So that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So let me break that apart for you. First of all, he says that through one man's trespass, through one man's disobedience, through one man's sin, that's what all those words mean, that it led to condemnation for all men. This is the sad, heartbreaking, prevailing truth of our world. That all of us humans, we're all sinners. So when people ask, like, what's wrong with our world and why, is things, why are things going so bad and why does this happen and why does that happen? It's because we are a world full of sinners. And Paul explains here that that all started with the first man, Adam, when he first sinned and he, that sin came into the world and he, he, he gained a sin nature. He then passed that on to all of the offspring that came after him, all of us. From one man, we all inherited this sinful heart that when we're born, we have these hearts that desire 
to go against God and to do our own thing, to go our own way. And those sinful hearts lead to sinful actions. And all of that sin separates us from God. See, God, in his most basic essence, is perfect. He's holy. He is righteous. And so any sin that you or I commit is ultimately a sin against him and his holiness. And as the perfect holy God, he must deal with that sin. He must punish it. He must set it straight. And so the sin that we have, it completely separates us from the God who created us, who loves us, but can't be in union with sin. And our problem is we can't stop sinning. Have you ever tried that? We can't stop. And we can't turn around and do enough good stuff to cover up the bad stuff. And so we're stuck with this sin problem that separates us from God. And all of a sudden, we can't fix it. Only God can do that. And this was not God's original plan or design, but he has a solution. And that's where Paul goes next. He says, so through one man's obedience, many will be made righteous. God, in his great love and grace for us, sent his only son, Jesus Christ, to come to earth, to be born as a man, and to live a perfect and sinless life. The only human to ever do that. And then he willingly went to the cross and sacrificed his life. He gave up his, his very life for us. So that his perfect righteousness could pay for our wretched sinfulness. And he went to the cross and he hung there in our place, paying our debt. And then he died and he was buried. And three days later, he rose back to life. That's why he says here, Paul says, sin reigned in death. By the way, that's always what sin brings. Sin unequivocally, 100%, all of the time, brings death and pain and suffering and hell. That's all you'll ever get. But grace, he says, grace reigned through righteousness. That Jesus, when he came in his perfection, he brought righteousness to pay for our sins. And it says that leads to eternal life through Jesus Christ. As Jesus died in our place and he was buried, three days later he rose back to eternal life in God. And now he offers that same eternal life to you and I if we will turn from our sin and put our faith in his perfect righteousness. That is how you get new life with God. That's what Paul's talking about. He says, Christ was raised. He was raised from the dead. This is back in Romans 6 now, 6, 4. He was raised from the dead that we might walk in newness of life. 
So just as Christ was raised, we can be raised from the death of our sin to new life with God if we will put our faith in him alone. So the first thing we have to know, if we want to be a worshiper of God, to know God is to believe in God. I'm sorry, to believe in Jesus. You cannot know the God of the universe. You cannot worship the God of the universe until you first believe in Jesus Christ, his son. And so if you want to take a faith journey with God, this is the first step. Have you taken the first step of being a worshiper with God? Have you turned from your sin and trusted in Jesus alone to save you? If not, I encourage you to do that today. Do that right now. So how do we know if that's really happened? How, you're like, Mike, I think I've done that. I think I've prayed. I think I've trusted in Jesus. How do I know if I'm truly saved, if I'm truly a worshiper of God? Let's slip over to 1 John now. If you got that, go to the end of your Bible, 1 John chapter 1. He's going to give us three different tests, three different ways that we can see the proof of a true worshiper of God. All right, number one. Look at chapter 1, verse 5. 1 John chapter 1, verse 5. He says this. This is the message that we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Second thing you need to know about worshipers is this. Worshipers walk in confession. Worshipers walk in confession. First of all, John sets up this analogy that he uses throughout his book where he says that God is light. All right, that's representing God's holiness again, his perfect, pure goodness. God is light. And in him, he says, there is no darkness. So what do you think darkness represents? Sin, right? His greatest attribute, his very essence is his holiness. And so therefore, there can be no sin where God is. He goes on. He says, if we say we have fellowship with him, that word fellowship is basically just another word for worship, right? It, fellowship is, is the desire of our hearts. It's the goal of everyone that we would have a relationship with God, with our creator. Fellowship means relationship. It means walking with him. It means worshiping him. So how do we know if we truly have fellowship with him? John gives us the first test right here, and it's the sin test. Thankfully, it's a self-test, okay? You don't have to ask somebody else about this. You can evaluate this for yourself. But he says there's three options of how you deal with sin in your life. The first one, he says, he says those who walk in darkness or walk in sin. Now, he doesn't mean anybody who ever sins at all. 
Okay? I think we already established in earlier, right, that we are all what? Okay, good. You were listening. All right. So, so we're all going to sin at some point. Even if you're saved, even if you're a Christian, you're still going to sin from time to time. We are not perfect. That's not what he means when he says walking in darkness. Walking in darkness, walking in sin is the continual pursuit of sin without conviction, without remorse. I don't want to change. I don't care what you think, God. I'm just going to keep doing this. That's walking in sin. He says, if you're walking in sin, no conviction, no remorse, no desire to change, then you have no fellowship with God. If you're living a life of continual, unrepentant sin, John says, you're not a true worshiper. You might have prayed a prayer, you might have said some things, you might have been to some church services, but if this isn't true of your life, then your heart has not yet been changed by the gospel. That's the first one. The second one, he says, this is kind of on the other end of the spectrum. He says, or if you say, I have no sin, right? He says, if you say you have no sin, guess what? You're a liar, right? Because we, as we already established, we all have sin. Actually, the word he uses there, he says, we deceive ourselves. I think that's such an interesting phrase, right? Maybe you've had that dialogue in your head before, like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm fine. I'm good. Like, this isn't that big of a deal. I got it under control. Like, there's nothing wrong with me. Like, that guy's way worse than I. God, for this, like, everything's fine. John says, you're lying to yourself. And if you say you have no sin, if you cannot think of a sin that you've committed in the last day or week or whatever, if you say, if you truly believe that you have no sin to confess to God, then you have no fellowship with God because you can't even see the state of your own heart. And if that's true, you have not yet been changed by the gospel. So if you're walking in sin, no fellowship with God. If you say you have no sin, no fellowship with God. Here's the right answer. Here's the way we know that we have fellowship with God. He says, if you confess your sins, that he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It's when we come to God and say, yes, I'm a sinner. I confess, God, please forgive me. That God says, now you got it. Now you see me. Now you have fellowship with me. This is the only way to have true fellowship with God is through ongoing repentance. The Christian's life should be an ongoing process of honest confession and repentance before the Lord. That's evidence of true worship. And that's the only way that you can walk with him. It's the only way you can take the next step. You know, Courtney and I, when we first got married, I've, if you've been to our church before, you already have heard this, I'm sure, but Courtney and I first got married, um, I had a major problem with pornography. Unbeknownst to her, she didn't even know. It came out pretty quickly in our marriage and almost wrecked the whole thing. And God used that moment of bringing my sin into the light 
to start to convict my heart, to finally change my heart about my sin. Because see, prior to that, it was just me. It was just this, my own little hidden sin that nobody else really knew about. And I had it under control and I didn't, I got this. It's not a big deal. It's just everyone. And I had all the excuses and I was lying to myself and I was just flagrantly walking in sin. But when he brought it to the light and I saw how my sin was hurting my relationship with her, how my sin was hurting my relationship with God. When I saw it in those terms, that's when it started to change. That's when I confessed and I repented and God started to cleanse my heart of that sin. It was all connected to these relationships, this fellowship that I longed to have with my God and with my wife. And he started slowly helping me take steps towards the light to set me free from that. But it didn't happen until I was willing to confess the sin and pursue the relationship. To worship God means to live a life of honest confession and repentance. And so to know God is to confess to God. So true worshipers, they walk a new life first by walking in confession. Then there's a second thing. Go to John chapter 2 now. Should be right there next to it. Small book. Look at John chapter 2, verse 3. This is the next test for us if we're going to walk with God. Number, or verse number 3 says this. And by this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected. By this, we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Point number three, worshipers walk in obedience. He says, we have come to know him. This is the same language, right? We, we have fellowship with him. We know him. We worship him. All of that's the same. He says, we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. Church, this is God's commandments. This is the only way you know him. This is the only way you can follow him. It's through his word. And he says, if we don't keep his commandments, then we don't really know him. And the word there, keep, is actually more like keeping. It's like a continual process, right? Because again, we're not going to keep this perfect every time. All right, we've already established. Let's do it again, pop quiz. We're all sinners. Okay, good. So we're not going to keep this perfect every time. But the idea is that we are keeping God's word that we're pursuing him by walking a little bit more and a little bit more in obedience to God's word. That's the heart of a true worshiper is to follow God and to follow his word. He goes on, he says, whoever says I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar. John likes that word. He's describing here the person who only gives lip service to God, but does not follow God with their life. They have a religion, but they don't have a relationship. 
They show up Christmas, they show up Easter, they check the religious boxes here and there. But the rest of the time, they're not following or obeying God at all. They want to claim a relationship with God for their own benefit so they can get that get out of hell free card. But there's not actually any relationship there. And John says, if that's you, that you're lying to yourself. You convinced yourself that you have a place with God and you don't. You've been lying to others. You've been lying to God. That's not fellowship with God. That's not true worship. John describes it here. He says, but whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected. I like that last phrase, that the love of God is perfected. Do you understand that love is what starts and finishes obedience? See, it works like this. As I start to love Jesus, I start to desire to walk in obedience. And then as I walk in obedience, God's love comes and fills my heart and perfects me over time. We call that progressive sanctification. We don't walk perfectly, but we walk progressively. We don't obey perfectly, we obey progressively. As God's love comes and perfects our heart through the gospel of Jesus Christ, he changes our desires and we start to walk more and more like him. That's what he says next. He says, if you do this, you will walk in the same way in which he, Jesus, walked. Because God's love is changing and perfecting your heart. And you want to obey his word. That's a sure sign that you're a true worshiper of God. Faith first changes my heart, but then worship changes my life as I walk with the Lord. Have you ever had somebody maybe come up to you and say, you know, I love you, but fill in the blank, right? And then they tell you some way that they're going to disagree with you or disrespect you or go against you in some way, right? Like, like I, I love you, mom but I'm going out with my friends tonight, whether you like it or not. That would not have worked in our house. I can just tell you that right now, okay? Or I love you, honey, but uh, I'm, not, I'm not canceling my hunting trip just because you scheduled a surgery. Like you're gonna have to just work that out, yeah. right? Or I love you, dad, but I ate the last Oreo. That right there, that is not love. See, when you love someone, you put them before yourself. That's truly love. The same goes for us and God. If we truly love him, we're going to put him first, and that means obeying what he's told us to do. Some of you, for a while now, you've been saying some of these kind of statements to God. Maybe not out loud, but in your head. You've been saying, you know, you know, God, I love you, but I still want to have my Saturday nights, right? Like I still got, I'm still young. I still got stuff to do. Like I'll repent on Sunday morning, but Saturday night's mine. Or I love you, God, but 
I, I don't really want to serve at church or serve you or, or, or like, cause like that takes up a lot of time and energy. I got other stuff to do. I've got other activities and things I want to be a part of. Like, I don't have time for all of that church stuff. I'll go on Sundays, but that's all I got. Or I love you, God, but I, I don't really want to give generously to other people. Like that's my money. I earned that, right? I, I, have, I have stuff I want to, to buy with that. Like I'm not giving that to somebody else. They can go work for their own. And God says, nope. No, you don't. You don't love me if you don't obey my commandments. If you love me, you would submit, you would obey. True worshipers seek to obey God because he is worthy of all of it. To know God is to submit to God. So true worshipers, first, if you're gonna walk in newness of life, you have to have faith in Jesus Christ. Then you have to have a life of confession, a life of obedience, and then there's one more thing. Look with me, stay in chapter two, 1 John chapter two, verse nine. Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light and in him there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Last point today, number four, worshipers walk in love. Again, he says, whoever says he is in the light. Remember this analogy, light represents God, his holiness. Whoever says that they're walking with God, living with God, but hates their brother is still in the darkness, still in sin. John says, this is another litmus test of whether or not you're a true worshiper. First, you gotta confess sin, then you gotta obey God's word, and then you got to love others. He says, whoever loves his brother abides in the light, lives with God. Loving others is one of the best proofs that you are truly worshiping God. In chapter four of the same book, it says that God is love. And so those who know him, those who walk with him are gonna love like him. Back in Romans 5, 8, it says that God so loved us that, that, um, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. If we have experienced that love, if you've put your faith in Jesus Christ and you have been saved from your sin, and you've experienced that great love of God through the, through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, it's now our turn to extend that love to others in return. We are part of the family of God. Don't we want as many people as possible to get to be a part of that family as well? And so we love them so that they will come and believe and be part of God's family as well.
Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, but whoever hates his brother is in the darkness. And he goes on to say, not only are you in the darkness, you are blinded by the darkness. Have you ever been in complete, utter darkness? I mean, like in real life. I mean, like in a basement room, no windows, or like somewhere in a hole or cave or whatever, like where there's literally no light. You can't see anything, right? You definitely can't see enough to walk without running into things or falling down or hurting yourself. Like you can't see. He says, whoever hates his brother is blinded by the darkness. When you are surrounded by the darkness of sin and you're living in that world, you are blind to the love of God. You can't see him, you can't experience it because you are just surrounded by the darkness of sin. And so you can't love like him if you can't even see him, if you can't know him. And so when we're surrounded by darkness, we fail to love like God loves. And it shows that we're not truly worshipers. The light of the gospel has not yet cut through the darkness to give us that ability to love others. If you were to come up to me after service today, some of you I know, some of you I don't, but if you were to come up to me after service, you'd say, Micah, you know, man, I, I love you. I really love you. But I hate your kids. Like I, know, I, know, I know you would never say that, but some of you might be thinking it, but you would never say that. But if you did, I would be like, yeah, that's not going to work. Right? Like, like that, that's not, that relationship's not going to work for me. Because my kids are so much a part of who I am and they're so dear to my heart. Like, you, you can't separate the two. Same goes with God and his kids. You can't say you love God and hate his kids. You can't love God and hate those that he made in his own image. It doesn't work that way. God says, if you really love me, you'll love them too. That's how you know. You're a true worshiper. Jesus, when he was talking to his disciples in John 13, he said, 35, by this, all people will know you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Not if you have love for me, Jesus, not if you have love for God. If you have love for one another, that's how they're gonna know because that's proof that you love me. To know God is to love like God. You see, true worshipers of God love others like he does. And just to make this real practical for you this morning, just so you can't wiggle out of this one, this means to love even those who aren't like us. This means to love even those who disagree with us strongly on very big issues that we also think are very important and think very strongly about. I didn't say you have to agree. 
but you do have to love. This includes those who even sin against us. We're called to love. If I truly worship God, I will love like God. So to worship God, I must know and walk with him. I asked you at the beginning, I asked you this question. Are you a true worshiper of God? I did not ask you, do you go to church? I did not ask you, do you believe that God exists? I did not ask you, did you give some money in the offering plate? Did you serve? Did you do some religious acts? Are you a true worshiper of God? To answer that question, you first have to say, do you know him? Have you put your faith in Jesus Christ? Have you turned and repented of your sin and believed in Jesus to save you and to make you right with God again? If not, I want to encourage you to do that right now. If you believe that you're a sinner, take this moment right now to turn to God and to ask, you to ask him to save you from your sin and give you new life with him. So you have to know him, believe in him, and then secondly, you have to walk with him. Are you walking in confession today? Are you confessing your sins regularly and honestly before the Lord? Are you walking in obedience with God today? Are you following his word to the best of your ability? Are you walking in love today? Are you loving others the way God loves you? Where do you need to take a step? What's your next step in the faith journey with God? Maybe it's one of those areas I just named. Maybe you've been doing some of it, but you need to do it more. Or you need to get back to it again. Whatever that is for you today, I want you to just, as I pray here tomorrow, I want you to pray and just ask the Lord to show you like, God, what's my next step of faith with you? And let's see if we can't all walk a little closer to Jesus as a result. Will you stand with me and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you so much, Lord, for this wonderful Sunday to come and to gather. And it's so exciting and it's so honestly overwhelming to see your goodness come to fruition like this. But God, that's not why we're here. We're not here to simply celebrate a building. We're not here to celebrate a church or any of that. Lord, we're here because we want you. We want new life with you. We want to walk with you. We want to follow you, God. And so we're asking you, God, we're praying right now, Lord, please, please reveal to us our next step of faith. How can we walk with you closer this week? 
change our hearts. Jesus Christ, come, fill us up. God, I pray for anyone here this morning who does not yet have faith in you, who has not yet believed and been saved by your grace. God, I pray that today would be their day. Pray that right now, Lord, they would turn to you for salvation. I pray for the rest of us, God, that you would help us. Set our face towards the, towards the Lord and take a step. All by your grace. Pray all this in Christ's name.